Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. Uh, today we had one of our district uh, representatives for our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, stop by. He did a training with us this weekend, so he spoke. He spoke about healing from John chapter 5. Eric is his name. Uh, we love having him here. Uh, hope you enjoyed this teaching. Next week we start a new series on the Feasts of Jesus, looking through some of the different feasts that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. You can go to the App Store and look for Casper Alliance Church and download our app. Just find the double C's and download and then you can follow us there also you can check us out at facebook.com forward slash casper alliance church hope you have a great week we know this we know god is the one who causes the growth in us god is the one that causes the growth in the church but we also can recognize there are leaders that god is using to bring that about as well so grateful to have have them here um, so let's see we're part of the christian and missionary alliance denomination and so what that means is that we have uh, 58 churches in what we call our district. So that is all of Montana, all of Wyoming. And then from your perspective, we have the uh, mountain time zone of Idaho and half of North and South Dakota. So it's a big geographical span. I get to travel around. There's 58 churches in our district, 2,000 churches in our country, and 20,000 churches around the world. So you're part of something here, and you're part of something much, much bigger. And we're, we're, I, I enjoy being part of this very large family. We use three words to describe our family. Christian, missionary, alliance. And so Christian means we care a lot about Jesus. Missionary means he isn't just for those who live in the United States. We have 700 missionaries all over the world working in dark and difficult places to bring the light of Jesus. And by the way, if you give here to the church, part of what you give is being sent all over the world to bring the light. Thank you for being part of that. The last word we use is the word alliance, and that just means that we're better together and better connected. So, um, so that's, that's kind of what we're about. And um, so my role is to hang out with people like you, and I really like it. So, so I want to tell you a story. It's not my story. It's a story uh, from uh, the president of our denomination, uh, John Stumbo. We have a couple of Stumbo family members here, and you might have heard that name along the way. And uh, several years ago, he was struck with this uh, a literally mysterious illness, and it left him unable to walk for a year. It le left him unable to swallow at all for 17 months. And it was this mysterious thing. All the doctors everywhere could not figure out what was going on, um, and, uh, and therefore they couldn't figure out how to cure it. And then, and then he was cured. But when he was cured, it wasn't like suddenly everything magically worked perfectly again. So he had to learn how to, not having walked for a year, he had to learn how to walk again. And so as he's learning how to walk again, right, he's, he's unsteady, and he's, and he's, you know, sort of struggles along the way, and his family members are around him all the time so he doesn't fall. And so then he tells this story. He says, uh, we were, I was at the coast, and there was this pier, and, uh, and I turned to my family, and I said, just once, would you let me walk down the pier by myself? He just wanted, just because they, you know, they've been kind of propping him up for a couple of years now, right? And, he, and so as he's walking down the pier, as he tells the story, he's walking down the pier, and he catches his toe. You see, he's learning to walk again. And that means that he can't quite catch himself before he starts going down. So as he's walking along, he catches his toe, and he starts to fall, so he grabs the railing on the pier. So you can sort of imagine him, right? Like sort of like sideways like this, hanging in the air. And he says, I had these two thoughts. 
The first thought he said I had was, I don't know how much longer I can hold on to this railing. The second thought is, my family is never going to let me walk down the pier by myself again, right? So he's sitting there hanging on, hanging on to the railing. He's looking, and this man comes walking up to him, and he says to him, do you want some help? He's like, yeah. So he helps, gets him up on his feet, and so now he's standing right, looking back, hoping his family didn't see, right? And, uh, and, and, and in the telling of the story, he didn't just need to be propped up onto his feet for just the moment. He really needed to have everything strengthened and everything come back. That's what we do physical therapy for and all of that. But, but the man asked him the question, do you want some help? In our passage today, Jesus is going to do the very same thing. He's going to say to this man, as uh, Leah just read, it was Leah, right? Yep. As Leah just read, Jesus asked that question to the man. Do you want to get well? Jesus asks us that question too. Do we want what he has to offer us? Do you want to get well? As we walk through this passage, you may be thinking about yourself. You may be thinking about this idea of healing, right? In the passage, this man gets physically healed, but there's all kinds of healing that we need along the way through life. Some of it is physical healing, absolutely, but there's other kinds of healing too, isn't there? There's, uh, there's mental health issues, there are relationship issues, right? There's heart issues, things like that. And as we walk through this passage together, I want to invite you to begin asking the question, is there something in me that maybe still needs some healing that's not all the way healed yet? Maybe Jesus has done some healing in you? Now, he's going to do a miracle. You know what the starting point for a miracle is? You've got to have a problem you can't fix. That's what gets you ready for a miracle. Got to have a problem you can't fix. If you can fix your problem, well, go do it, right? If you can fix it, fix it. God gave you the ability to fix it, go fix it. But, but if you have a problem you can't fix, a problem you can't solve, that's what qualifies you to experience a miracle. Now, when we say miracle, here's what we mean. A miracle is something that God does outside of the physical laws of biology, of science, something that otherwise could not take place. That's what we mean. So I want to tell you this. Jesus still does miracles. I'll tell you a story about a miracle in our family. Uh, we've had a couple of miracles. Like, like miracles like this terrible thing has been removed in hours. Uh, that, well, I'll tell you when we get there. I don't want to give you ahead of time. But if you're wondering about what Jesus does and you're new to figuring this out, it's great that you're here today because you're going to see Jesus at his best. He's going to meet a guy who isn't religious. Maybe he's religious. I guess we don't even know if he's religious. But he didn't have any idea who Jesus was. He's like, I don't know who that guy is, right? I don't know if you picked it up in the past. He's like, I don't know who that guy was who did this to me. And sometimes we think like, like I, I kind of do want a miracle for me or for someone I care about. But I don't know if... Like, would he do a miracle for someone like me? Sometimes we get this thought. Like, like to experience a miracle, yeah, you have to problem you can't solve, but you kind of have to have gone to church like at least 12 Sundays in a row, right? Or at least you know, opened up your wallet a little bit, right? Or at least prayed a bunch. Or at least gotten rid of that bad habit or, or, or resisted that addiction long, right? Whatever. Whatever those things are. And, and with this guy, none of that's true. He didn't know who Jesus is. 
And so maybe that helps us as we think about this idea of a miracle and what it is you might seek him for to say, you know what? He, he doesn't qualify people like that at all. In fact, he dives right in with the people who are messy. And that's great news, not for you. Well, also for you, it's great news for me, right? I'm, not all my messes are cleaned up yet, haven't you? Right? No way. Right? Still things that I want to seek him for. But you should understand what a miracle's for. So we're in John chapter 5. If you're not there yet, you can get it on your phone or in your Bible. But, but in the book of John, at the very end, the writer John, he says, here's what miracles are for. It's important that we understand this. He says it like this in John 20, 30, and 31. He says this. He says, uh, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He says, he says these are signs. Now, have you ever gone somewhere and followed the signs? Of course you have, right? You're going to go into Yellowstone, let's say. And you follow the signs to the entrance, but you don't stop at the sign, right? You might stop at the top sign, hey, everybody, get out, let's take a picture, right? Now entering Yellowstone National Park, right? You might do that, but you don't then get in your car and go home, right? The sign is to direct you to something even better. That's true in the park, but it's also true of Jesus, is that he may, he may do the miracle for you, but his, his goal is not to get you to go, wow, that was cool. His goal is to get you to engage with him personally so he can not just do one miracle, but so he can transform you into everything that he has in mind for you to be. So there's a bit about miracles. Starting point for a miracle, you have a problem that you can't solve. In the passage, verse 1, I'll read it for you again. Here's what it says. Remember this? Leah read this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool. The sheep gate was the gate where they brought the sheep in. Super clever. I know, right? That's what, because when they would bring the sheep in for the sacrifices during the Old Testament time, that was the gate in which they brought them in. You can go and find the sheep gate today in the outer wall of the old city of Jerusalem. In Aramaic, it's called Bethesda, surrounded by five covered colonnades. Think of like shade that went around this, this pooled area. And, uh, and then look at the people. A great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and it, it just, just all of the sick and people who have problems that could not possibly be solved by medicine. Those are the people hanging out by the pool. By the way, uh, uh, up until the 19th century, people who would study the Bible would say, this is a myth, because we can't find the pool of Bethesda. It's nowhere to be found in the old city of Jerusalem. Then in the 19th century, archaeologists started digging around a little bit more, and guess what they found? They found the pool of Bethesda is exactly where the Bible said it would be. You can go visit it right now. I've actually been to it. Um, it's um, near St. Anne's Church. And you can go and you can see it. And by pool, here's what it is. It's a spring that bubbles up from the ground. So you might have seen a natural spring like that before. And it's not a, not a, not a stream that comes down the hillside, but it's just this stone area and water just seems to come up from the ground. And uh, there's a variety of those around. Some of you have been to hot springs that are like that. And, and you think, well, it's not a stream. It's just water that comes up. That's, that's what this was. And you can go see that today. By the way, archaeology is our friend. 
to our faith. Because our faith is rooted in history. These things really happened in specific places. So I'm glad for every archaeological dig to take place in the Holy Land and anywhere else. Because the deeper they dig, the more we find that what this says is true. So they thought if, if when bubbles would come up from the spring, they thought that was an angel was stirring up the waters. And if you get in first, you get a miracle. You get healed. That's what they thought at the time. So in your Bible, like my Bible doesn't even have verse 4 in there. And some Bibles have a little asterisk, and they say, this wasn't actually in the Bible when it was first written. Somebody later added it, because they want to be careful not to include things that weren't really originally intended by God. But they explain it for us. They, when they would see a bubble, can you imagine? There's all of these people laying around. So the paralyzed, the lame, the blind. So how often do you think that they're able to take care of themselves? Some of them can't even move. Even around a pool, they can't even get in to bathe. All of these people, but when there's a bubble, they're all crawling, clamoring all over each other, shoving each other aside. Somebody's trying to get in because they're desperate. They're trying to find this miracle, trying to get what they need out of it. So it says in verse 5, the one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, right? That's a really long time. We don't know if he's been at this pool for 38 years, but probably his whole life he's never been able to walk. And then Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get well? It's kind of unusual, right? You'd think he'd like, duh, right? So why is Jesus asking the question? Jesus never asks a question because he's puzzled. I don't know. Maybe if I ask Jason, he can tell me. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. He never asked them questions so Jesus would learn something. He asked them questions so they would learn something. Because Jesus knows about human nature. Sometimes we want to get well. Sometimes we just want to feel a little better. Sometimes we're ready to change. Other times we just like everybody else to change around us. See, he's asking him a direct question. Do, do you want it? Do, do you really want what I have? So, I mean, the typical marriage, the typical friendship. I would much prefer in my marriage for God to work on my wife. And then things get better, right? Now, she's not here. I can say what I, oh, wait, she's listening. Hi, honey. You can tune out. Go get some more orange juice for this part. Um, human nature is like that. We would like other people to change, other things to change around us, but do we? And because, listen, his whole life's going to change if he gets healed, right? No more sitting around waiting for people to bring you food. And you might think, well, he gets to walk, but yeah, he now has responsibilities, right? He's got to go to work. He's got to get a job. And, and he's got to provide for himself. He's got to, all kinds of things that are going to be required of him now that he's with this new capability. So Jesus says, do you, do you want to get well? And by the way, my wife, she's awesome. If anyone needs to change in the marriage, you can trust me, it's me. We all agree on that. Um, just to clarify that, she's probably listening going, what did you say? Um, do I want Do I want to get well? Do I want to be changed? Do I, do I really want all that Jesus wants to give me? 
all the ways he wants to make me a better husband because she deserves a better husband? Jesus knows that people have learned, who have learned to live with pain, with injury, with um, depression, with all kinds of things, they, get, they adapt to it. And, and you know what? We do that up here in this area of the country especially, right? We hurt our leg. We got a limp, but we keep going, right? I mean, isn't that what we do? It's like, yeah, I got a limp. This thing happened, but I'm still going, right? Oh, my, I, yeah, I hurt my back. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not exactly a farmer or rancher, okay? So if I say something, you might be like, eh, I don't see, but I'm going to try anyway, okay? Let's say you're throwing a bale of hay onto the truck. Is that something you would do? Or lifting a calf on the branding table. That's something that people would do, right? Am I doing okay? I'm not quite there. All right, I'm trying. All right, come on, go with me here, all right? Uh, but I hurt my back doing something like that. And I go, yeah, I'm a little bent over, but it's all right. We just get used to accommodating for things in us, in our hearts that are broken, in our backs that are broken, in our legs that are injured, in our relationships that are fractured. And we get so used to living with it. Can I tell you a, a really, um, well, let me tell you a story, then I'll tell you, a, I, have a, I have a joke. Thank you. Appreciate the, the crowd enthusiasm there. Uh, I used to work as a therapist. And, uh, and as a therapist, people would come into my office and I would help them with whatever problems they were dealing with, emotional problems, relationships, whatever. And over, and over time, I began to give them homework, some of them, between one session and the next because I wanted to maximize their growth. So it might be something to think about, it might be th something to talk about with someone or something to write down, whatever it might be. And, and I, I ended up having the occasional client who would come in, I'd meet with them, and I'd say, you know what, what would be some good homework, some good application before you come and see me again? And then and we'd figure it out, and then they'd come and see me again, and some of them, they'd come back, and they'd say, I'd say, hey, how was your homework? And they'd say, oh, I didn't do it. You're like, really? Was our session helpful? Oh, your session was great with you. Was the homework good homework? Maybe we missed it. Oh, no, no, I'm sure it would have helped. Okay. Meet again, talk again, give them homework again, and they would come back and over and over and over until finally the point where I'd say to the occasional client, I'd say, I'm not sure you really want to get well. I'm not sure you really want to grow. I'm not sure, you're, you know, you're, and, and they would be like, are you kicking me out? You're like, I'm, I'm not kicking you out. I'm just asking the question. And some would leave and say, you know what, you're right. I don't need to be paying you all this money to not grow. And others, it would turn around. And they'd say, you know what, you're right. So here's your joke. It's a bad joke, okay? I'm not even a great joke teller, all right? I think I can tell a story okay, but I don't know about the jokes. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. How many therapists, counselors, does it take to change a light bulb. How many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? You ready? Only one, but the light bulb has got to want to change. Yeah. Uh, see? I felt like I introed it pretty well. I said it was a bad joke, right? I said it's not a very good joke. So, so is Jesus coming to you is asking you, do you? Do you want to grow? Do you want to change? Do you want to be healed? Or would you just prefer to feel a little bit better 
about what's going on. The guy gives excuses, verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes on ahead. Harry's, he's laying right next to the pool. He just rolls over and flops in. I can never beat Harry into the pool. What, I, I have all these excuses. And then I love what Jesus does in verse 8. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He, he gives this sort of pathetic excuse as to why he isn't able to bring about his own healing. And Jesus says, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Get up, pick up your mat, and, and at once, verse 9, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day at once just took place was the Sabbath. See, Jesus shows his power in two ways. First of all, he heals whatever was preventing him from being able to walk. That's the first thing. The second thing is that he should have needed to go to physical therapy for the next six to eight months, right? That's how that goes. And bam, we think Jesus could only do this over this amount of time. Sometimes we, we, we doubt that he really has this power, that he can really, really have the power over in time. And by that, I mean speed things up or make them happen instantly. This is helpful understanding for us. But there's something else in this. Sometimes the healing takes place as we respond. He didn't say to the man, listen, you lay there. I'm going to heal you, and then whenever you're ready, then you can get up. But the healing actually happened as he responded. Sometimes we use this phrase here around Casper Alliance Church. We say, do the work. And by do the work, we don't mean do the work, get yourself good enough, and then Jesus will like you. Jesus did the work on the cross for our own forgiveness. He already did all of that work. You can't do any of that work. We don't do the work to get his approval, right? He already values us so highly that he gave his life on the cross for our sins to offer us salvation as a result. But sometimes we have to engage to experience the healing. Let me show you what I mean. Your marriage needs some healing, let's say. It's got some fractures in it for whatever reason. Sometimes the healing happens as we respond. Like this, the clearest command in the Bible. Husbands, love your wives. Make it tangible, make it practical. If you decide to do that, that might very well be the motion that Jesus engages with to bring the healing in your marriage. Wives, respect your husbands. Very clear. Now look, I know some of your husbands, okay? They're not worthy of respect in every area of their life as if, as if they're perfect, and neither am I. You could ask my wife, but she's not here. Kind of perfect. Anyway, um, so, right? No, no. But if there's some way, something about your husband you respect, and you're thinking, I want my, our marriage to be, to be back how it used to be, to be stronger, to be healed of whatever it is in it. Sometimes, do the work here, Sometimes we have to take a step into that. And as we do that, Jesus brings the healing. Sometimes he acts to bring the healing as we respond. With this man, he didn't respond at all. But don't you wonder, like, does Jesus really still heal people? My son, when he was born, you know, he's, he's born, yay, we're excited. And then the team of doctors and the team of nurses come rushing into the room and they're all huddled over him doing I don't know what, and then they zip him off to the, what they call the neonatal ICU, ICU for newborn babies. We're freaked out. We don't know what's going on. They're intubating him. All kinds of stuff is happening. And, uh, and the, the conclusion is that 
he's not getting oxygen. His lungs aren't working. He was born several weeks early. His lungs aren't working. So, of course, we're praying and we're trying to figure it all out and we're in shock and all of that. And then the nurse came to us and she said this uh, after several days in ICU. She said, um, you need to pray. That's not what the medical community says, right? The medical community says things like this. This is what we're trying. If this doesn't work, we'll try this. And if this doesn't work, then we'll also add this medication or this procedure, right? They've gotten to the end of the line. When the medical community says it's time to pray, it means they've tried everything they could try and they were losing ground. His oxygen levels are going lower. His lungs aren't responding. So I did what you would do, right? We get everybody praying. All, everywhere we can, that night, everybody we can, everywhere we can, pray for our son. He's going down um, and we're not sure if he's going to make it. So everybody prays. The next day, they're like, huh, he seems to be improving. We're like, huh, I think we have an explanation for that. Several days later, they say, we're ready to send him home. And then the nurse says this. She says, I cannot believe we're sending him home with, with, like this, with no instructions. He's went from we're losing him to fully healthy just a few days. And you can take him home and he's perfectly fine. How does that happen? Where the medical staff are amazed. I have an explanation for that. Do you have an explanation for that? It's probably the same explanation. Jesus still heals. He went on to, to play football in high school, rugby in college, and now he's training for a 50-kilometer a running race. That's 35 miles. Apparently his lungs are doing fine, right? Listen, Jesus still heals. He still has the power to bring about the healing for whatever it is that you are thinking about as we talk about this. But when you see Jesus do something in your life and you tell someone not everybody's going to buy it, you know? There are people who do not believe. There are people who doubt. There are people who feel guilty. There are people who have all kinds of reasons in their lives and they want to find some other solution. That's what they want to find, right? So when my other son who had a, who had a tumor on his hip, when the doctor went in to take it out, it was gone. He said maybe antibiotics did it. Really? Antibiotics? I mean, this is, right? This is world-changing, right? Antibiotics cure cancer. Of course they don't. He was puzzled. Why? Because, because a miracle took place. He cuts into his hip and there's no tumor there anymore. There was a couple days ago, and bam, now it's gone, right? That people are going to question and say, really, do you think that's really what happened? Same thing happened to Jesus. This is verse 10. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. You see, they were under the Old Testament rules for the Sabbath. No work. Worship, spend time with God and with people you care about. That was the only thing that they were allowed to do. It was a hard and fast rule for them. These days, we're not under all those rules, but we do still dedicate time to worship, and that's why we're right here, right? But they had all of these rules for the Sabbath. Can't do this, don't do this, because the Bible said don't work on the Sabbath. So they would establish things like this, ridiculous things, okay? Don't work on the Sabbath. So if picking up a load of wood, oh, here, this is perfectly, this is convenient. Picking up a load of wood, if you're a wood carrier and you're moving it, then you shouldn't pick up wood on the Sabbath. Fair enough, right? But they thought, well, but what, how much wood? Right, how, how much wood are we allowed to carry? 
because we've got to be super careful. So they said, well, how about no wood at all? You can't carry any wood. So what if they had uh, artificial uh, teeth made out of wood in that day? So what if you're walking along and your wooden teeth fall out? Are you allowed to pick them up? Wouldn't that be carrying wood? Maybe that would be a sin. So maybe we should make a rule. Nobody gets to have wooden artificial teeth on the Sabbath in their mouth. Because harvesting grain or whatever their crops were, that would be work. So let's make a rule about that. Pulling plants out of the ground, we shouldn't do that on the Sabbath. So what about other forms of harvesting? Do you know what some people did in that day? It's amazing. The women would look in a mirror, think like polished metal. They would see a gray hair. They would harvest it. Yeah, I know. Who would do such a thing, right? But, I mean, I could do it. I'd, I'd be bald, but I could do it, right? But it was like, uh-oh. So let's make a rule. It's against the rules for any woman to look in a mirror on the Sabbath. No, rule, no mirror looking. Rule after rule after rule. Probably intended to be something good. How do we keep people from sinning? How do we keep people engaged with God? That was probably what they were trying to get at. But they had all of these rules. That's why verse 10 is here. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. No work, right, is what they're saying. And so they should have, what should have they have said? You're healed. What happened? You're walking. This is a miracle, right? That's what normal humans do. When Jesus does something in your life, not everybody's going to recognize it for the miracle that it is. So my friend Matt tells another joke. Can I tell you the joke? It might be slightly better. I don't know. I'll let you be the judge, okay? Two guys are going hunting. Hunter number one always criticizes hunter number two. Everything he gets, his gun, his gear, his shooting, everything. Hunter number one, critical hunter, always criticizing hunter number two, okay? Never has anything good to say about hunter number two. So hunter number two says, I'm going I'm to get this guy. I'm going to shut him up. He gets this dog, this fantastic hunting dog. And so they go hunting together. They go out hunting together, right? Bird flies over, right? Hunter number two shoots the bird out of the air and uh, sends his dog out to get the bird. The dog goes trotting across uh, on top of the water, grabs the bird, brings it back. Hunter number two looks at hunter number one, right? What's he going to say? Totally silent. Now the bird comes across. Hunter number two <laughs> drops the bird, sends the dog out. The dog goes trotting across the top, on top of the water, gets the bird, brings it back. Are you ready? Hunter number two says to hunter number one, what do you think of my dog? Hunter number one says, can't swim, can he? <laughs> See, that was a little bit better than the psychology hey. joke, right? Oh. Right? But if it happened with the miracles that Jesus did that were visible to everyone, it might be that Jesus is going to do a miracle for you. And it might not be as visible to everyone. And there will be some who will say, hmm, maybe there's some other explanation. Maybe you made it up. Maybe it might come with all kinds of other reasons for it. I want to go back to verse 12 and 13 before we finish. It says this. They asked him, who is the fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The Jews. To the man who was healed. Who told you to do this? And this is comforting for me. 
verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was. Do you feel like you know Jesus super well? Kind of well? Maybe you're like, okay, acquaintances? Look, Jesus does miraculous works in the lives of people who have no idea who he was. That might make you qualified for a miracle. I mean, it was, it was interacting directly with Jesus. Don't be fooled on that. Right? But he didn't have all the theology, all the understanding, and still Jesus met him right there. So he gives Jesus the credit, of course. It was Jesus who did it. And then later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, this is verse 14, See, you are well again. And then he says, Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews it was Jesus who had made him well. But Jesus gets a little bit serious here. Listen, Jesus is full of grace. That's his goodness towards all of us. And he's filled with truth. That is, he also gives us truth that we're instructed to follow. In his grace, Jesus heals the man. In his truth, we don't know what sin he's talking about. He says, hey, do the work. Resist some of the sins that are now available to you because you have legs again. In, in, in his grace, he helps us even to be able to live out the truth that he gives us. So, so what have you been thinking about? that maybe you'd like to invite him to heal. What about your heart? What, what about a relationship? Or maybe it's something physical. Maybe it's something like that. Look, by the way, when we pray for healing, like, st you can still go to the doctor, okay? Listen, you're a diabetic, and, and, and the doctor says you need to take this medicine, and uh, you know what you should do? you and if you think you're healed you go to the doctor and you say hey i think i'm healed of this can we do some testing and when they do the testing and you're healed we give jesus the glory for the healing okay but but it's you're not a mature christian who says god has given us medicine and it helps to heal us but i'm not going to i'm going to deny that grace that everyone gets to the medical community okay we still we still go to the medical community that's god's grace to us as well but maybe you have something physically that needs healing today Maybe it's someone in your family, someone you deeply care about, something like that. See, Jesus, at the very end of the passage, he says, my father is always at work to this day, God, and I too am working. Always at work means he's working here. It means he's working now. It means he's working in this room. It means that as we've prayed to him, as we've sung to him, he's heard, he's listened. He's paying attention. So maybe it's a good time for us to answer yes to him. To whatever it is that you want to bring him. He's our healer. Rather than holding on to our limps, holding on to our, our stooping over, holding on to our bitterness, holding on to our anger, maybe today is a day where we say, yes, I'm ready to get well. So I want to invite you to to step into this, to trust him, to invite him to bring the healing. So let me invite you to, to pray with me. And as I pray, maybe these prayers are your prayers. Jesus, we, we come to this passage and we see how you, uh, you healed. You are the healer. And uh, 
And so we want to not be the man in the passage who has excuses and doesn't know what to say. Instead, we want to come to you with this thing that you have brought to mind for us. And we want to say yes to you. Yes to you for the healing that we need. For some of us, it's this, this fractured heart because our heart has been broken in some way through some dream, through whatever, some issue, hardship that's come to us. Where we were treated, we've held on to some bitterness and some anger. So we want to lift you our hearts and say, will you come and heal? Will you come and heal us right here? Will you heal us right now? For some of us, it's not just in our hearts. It's in some relationship that's really important to us. So we want to lift up this relationship and, and say to you, we need you to heal it. And if there's something that you would like us to do, we invite you to tell us right now if that's going to be part of the healing in this broken relationship. Would you instruct us in what it is you would like us to do as you heal, you would like us to respond? And some of us, it's just physical. Some of us have shoulder, shoulders, joints, back pain. Some of us, it's, it's cancer. Some of us, it's, uh, it's vision. And we just want to come to you and say, we know you're here. We know you're alive. We know you're powerful. We know you have healed. So we come to you and we say, will you heal right here, right now, in this moment? Will you bring your power? Will you bring your healing? Will you bring your glory as the healer right here? We're, 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 we're in this conversation with you open-hearted and open-handed and open-minded to say, will you come and will you heal us as our healer, as God? We thank you that you've healed us from our sin through your death on the cross at our deepest need and so will you continue that healing process and will you guide us through it out of your grace to us and out of your love to us. I pray all these things for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Eric. We're going to close with the doxology. So if somebody could start that, that'd be We have a great Sunday afternoon. Reminder, elders, I need you up here.